these uh, chocolate-covered cherries to pass around, but I gave some as many as I could. Um, I had someone come by the church building the other day, and uh, they left me a few samples, in which I think they only left me three. So ladies, you tell me if you like them, uh, and if you do, uh, they come in a box like this for a dozen, or a handy-dandy little smaller size like this for four, four to eight. I don't know how many is in there. But anyway, if you'd like to uh, like them, uh, then pass the word along, and they're like $20 for a dozen. And, uh, but they're specially made cherries, if you notice the, the pits in them and everything. I failed to tell you all that some of them are brandy filled, but you know, the reality is you'll find out here in a little bit. <laughs> it gives a whole new term to spirit, let's put it this way. But anyway, if you're interested, uh, just let me know. I have a sign-up sheet here. No, I think everything they got is uh, non-alcoholic, so that'd be good. All right, Brother Joe, if you will, we'll go ahead and get started here. All right, tell me when you're ready. We are on the air. Let's take our Bibles. We're going to go back to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Last week we started our Bible study. Uh, we uh, took a little bit of a divergence from where we've normally been in the book of Revelation. Uh, but we had uh, we, we did something with the Lord's Supper and baptism. And uh, so I wanted to spend some time today making sure that we had a good understanding about the baptism uh, aspect. This uh, I've entitled as Baptist Distinctives and primarily concerning baptism. Now, I, I didn't make copies of these notes, but more than likely uh, you all have already heard this before. There's nothing new under the sun, which I don't ever think that we should have anything brand new. It should always be from the scripture. But we are going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read the entire chapter. So if you'll bear with me as we read these things together. And it says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walk according to the course, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercies, for his mercy with great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. By, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now let's stop there. How many of you have seen anything about baptism? There's nothing about baptism. We are saved by the grace of God and that alone. Now that's the one thing I want us to make sure we have a complete understanding that this is a Baptist distinctive. We are saved by the preaching of the Word of God, as foolish as it may seem, 
the, if you will, the persuasion that God's word allows and the intervention of the Holy Spirit into us. Look what it says in verse 11. Wherefore, remembering that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both, both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances for us to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace unto you which were far off to them that were nigh for through him we both have an access by one spirit unto the father now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, building framed together, goeth into the holy temple of the Lord, in whom also for an habitation of God through the Spirit." Now, we just read a, a tremendous passage of Scripture for us to grab the Bible. But I want us to remember this, that everything that is in the Bible is given for a reason. I've had so many arguments in my lifetime where people want to add baptism to salvation, and they'll use verses that are found in the book of Acts, chapter 2, or they may use something that's in Mark, chapter 16, and they want to well, point out different things. Baptists in themselves, we, we don't hold to anyone but Christ as our foundation. Please understand that. And so for that reason, there's many people who want to make claims about Baptists without having any understanding of who the Baptists are. I have a book, as I pointed out upstairs, and I found this book many years ago at a, at a bookshop where they had it covered up. And it literally makes a statement in that that all leads back to the Anabaptist, all true Baptist. Now it is sad to me that so many Baptists want to hide their name. They want to take the Baptists off their door frames. They want to take them off their walls. And the reason that they're taking the word Baptist off is because they say, "Well, we don't want to be offensive." Well, guess what? Being a Baptist, you're going to be offensive. It used to be that when you went door knocking, people said, man, we're, we're just like the Baptists. No, you're not just like the Baptists. I'll give you an example. Many years ago, I had a, a fellow teacher down in Kentucky, and uh, one of the teachers came up to me and said, well, we are the true church. I said, really? And he goes, yeah, my, my ancestor, we, uh, we started the first church that was uh, down in the hills of Kentucky, and I know the name of the person. I know the name of it. I said, well, do you have a book? And he goes, yeah. And I read the book, and after I finished the book, I said, I want you to read this one line. And in that line it said, being disrupted by the Baptist, and not agreeing with the Baptist, he started his own congregation and called them such and such. I said, now it's interesting to me that the Baptists were before you ever was. 
And I said, how can you lay claim that you are the first church if the Baptist didn't exist? He could not stand what the Baptist held on to. And reality is, is that we're not asking anyone in this world to fall in love. I praise God that I, I, I hold to Baptist beliefs. Now, there are a lot of things that we as Baptists do wrong. Let's be honest. There are things that we do wrong. And, and we're, we're getting ready to find the greatest wrongdoings of all time in the next month or so. And part of that is we've allowed hatred and enmity and everything else to creep into our congregations. That should never be the case. But today as we take a look at Baptist distinctives, and I'm going to focus upon baptism. Originally I was going to do baptism and the Lord's Supper uh, because we, we looked at both of them last week. But because we are uh, limited in time and scope, I want to make sure that we have a clear understanding of why we are different with the rest of the world when it comes to baptism. And it all, believe it or not, in this particular book. And I want us to see everything of what we're reading here in the book of Ephesians, beginning with chapter 2. And we're going to look at other books as well to make sure we have a good understanding. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Father, we want to thank you for your blessings. And I pray, Father, for good recall of study. Lord, as the day is allowed, we pray that you will continue to guide us and use us as you see fit. We, we know, Father, that the blessings that you have bring to us and that you have brought to us to be understanding of the things that you have given are truly uh, amazing to us. And it's easy to preach in a congregation where everybody is in agreement, but Lord, outside of this congregation, out into the world, there are many that don't agree with us. As a matter of fact, I, I'll even say this, that there's a lot of Baptist churches that disagree with what our position, our position is Baptist. But Lord, whether people agree with us 100% or not is neither here nor there. May we as a congregation be so united in our perpetuity, in our baptism, and the holding of the Lord's Supper and everything that goes on that we might understand completely the Baptist distinctives that are there. Help us, dear Father, to end, and may we follow after you in all that we say and do. May we be faithful in the things that you give us and guide and bless now. In Christ we pray. Amen. As I pointed out, I, I have a library of books. And, you know, many of the books that I have, in fact, I was talking to Brother Joe Collins and uh, uh, we do need to have a quick business meeting at the end of the congregation if we can, uh, or our congregational services. But the reality is, is that when I took a look at the different things that were given to me and, and studies, I had one son that said, you know, Dad, you ought to write another book on uh, Baptist history. I said, well, I can. But my library is filled with books on, on Baptist history. I mean, Christian, Armitage. Uh, are just two of the names that are there that uh, wrote on Baptist history. Believe it or not, Overby did one. Uh, we also know T.P. Simmons did his concise study. And I mean, on and on and on, there's just a vast library that I have. Well, what's interesting is that one of the books that I found has been most helpful to me, especially in my early ministry, was a book about systematic theology that was written by T.P. Simmons. And Greg and I were talking about this the other day in his home, and one of the things that I love about what T.P. Simmons did, he tried to teach or he, he brought together all the things that are in the Bible 
for us to understand. And quite literally, it's an extensive book. Do you realize that for us to say that we believe the Bible and we are holding to certain practices that are within the Bible means we have eaten this elephant one little piece at a time. There's a lot that are written in the Bible. There's a lot of things for us to study that are in the Bible. And then for us to say that I am, the, I am a Baptist because of the convictions that I read in the Scripture even goes beyond what we understand. Now let me explain this to you. If you will, take your Bibles. and let, We're going to try to hold our place here in the book of Ephesians because we plan to come back. I want us to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Now, I brought this up last week, but in Acts chapter 1, we're going to go down to verse 22, and I want us to see what it says in verse 22. Now, understand this. I believe the apostleship ended with the apostles. I don't believe that we have apostles today. And the main reason is, is because what we read in verse 22. Look what it says again. Beginning from the baptism of John. Now, I want to, I want to stop there for a moment. We need to make doubly sure that the baptism that we pass along is baptism of John. So when I say that I have a baptism that was given to me of John, and in fact, I'll give you a demonstration. How would you like to shake the hands with Abraham Lincoln? Well, I'm glad you're good. So stick your hand out there for a moment. Yeah, I, I have just shaken the hand. He just shook the hands with Abraham Lincoln. Now let me explain this to you. Many years ago, I had a man that he was, you know, in, in the church that I pastored at there in California, and he said, how would you like to shake the hands of Abraham Lincoln? I thought, well, I mean, we've got to dig him up. He goes, no, come here, shake my hand. I shook his hand. He goes, now, let me explain this to you. I actually shook the hand of a man that shook hands with Abraham Lincoln when I was a boy. And he said, and I shook his hand, and he goes, every time that you pass it on and you tell him that you're shaking hands with Abraham Lincoln, I'm passing it on to you, and you're passing it on to somebody else. So my hand, now you can do it as well, is a hand that has shaken hands with Abraham Lincoln, and I only charge $5 a piece for anybody who wants to, to shake hands with me. But the reality is, is that when I understood that, I thought, you know what, there is a Baptist distinctive behind this. Because beginning with John, if I have the proper authority to baptize, then I have to follow the procedure and the process that was given by the Scripture. Look what else it says. Until the same day, number two, this person had to be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was a, a Baptist distinctive when it came to the apostles. Number three, he had to cast lots or he had to be brought in with the apostleships. Really, there's only 13 apostles. The 13 is the original 12, and one apostle that was given, the apostle Paul, for the apostles to the Gentile nations as well. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. If we have a good understanding of what goes on with the apostleship, then it also helps us to understand the foundations. Why necessary to read to you all Ephesians chapter 2? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, we read this particular area. And it says, And are built Now understand this. 
when the apostles met we even read in Acts chapter 6 how they said it's not meet for us to get up and leave leave the study of the word of God It could have been that. It could have been even more. In other words, waiting upon the widows and the children and things like that. But the reality is, is every time that the apostles had to get up and wait on the ladies or upon other people, they were being taken away from the Word of God. Now, when it's my congregation like this, I don't have any issue. But imagine. that in our bulletin. And do you realize the teacher, not only as Sunday school teachers, but also as a pastor, I want to make sure that she has a strong foundation of everything. So the simplicity of the word needs to start with, why were you baptized? And it, there is a, even a particular thing that we hold to when it comes to baptism. Look at what else it says. In verse 20 says that it built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself.
Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. You know, as Brother Joe was reading the, the passages of Scripture, he was moved by what he read from the Word of God. And I, I really is sad that we're not moved. But unto them who be disobedient, the stone you to get this, folks. It is stated over and over in Scripture that Jesus Christ is not the stone that people want. The Old Testament is a, is a great declaration over and again that he is the stone that the builders have disallowed. Why then do we find it so necessary? I want to give you a quick snapshot of what we see in this New Testament. We know the four gospels. Mark, Luke, and John. Then we have the book of Acts, which is really the, the full development of the congregation. And we find all the details that goes on with the congregation. But even more so, as we go beyond the congregation, we see something else that's really amazing for us to, to gather. Afterwards, we close out the book of Acts, chapter 28, where it says that Paul, the Lord when he has turned his attention to the Gentiles. Follow that with the book of Romans. Now, whether we like it or not, it is the essential book on salvation. How many of us have ever heard of the Roman roads? And how many times have we heard it being put down because, oh, somebody wrote it. I don't care who wrote it. It's a good book. And you know, more times than not, when I'm sitting down in somebody's home and I'm trying to witness to them, witness to them of Jesus Christ, I will go to the book of Romans. Why? Because it is so simple and it's very clear. And when I show them sinners and Christ is holy and righteous, it gives me that opportunity. But then after the book of Romans, we are introduced into a Corinthian church in chapters 1 and 2. There was a third book as well. But it says in Corinthians 1 and 2 just how messed up a church can be. <laughs> how many of us want to be that church? And then we go into the Galatians. You know, further testament of how many people have been involved with the law and how about this. It, it had to take wisdom for men to say we need to make sure that we call the right person is. I'm, I am humbled 
you don't realize how humbling it was to me for you That's humbling. What I know, praise God, he has instilled in me to know it. And so when people want to attack me, attack me. But leave God's word alone. And the reality is, is God's word is so careful, so concise. And if we mess up on baptism, we mess up on it all. And here's the reason why. Look at this. In Ephesians chapter 4, go down to verse 11. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, beginning with the apostles, notice what it says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some missionaries or evangelists and some pastors and teachers. You know, for someone to lay claim that they are an apostle, and again, I'm not going to try to dent their fender. I want them to understand you say that you're an apostle, but what gives you the right? I'm a pastor. And as a pastor, I have a great responsibility, not only to pastor, but to teach. You want to talk about difficulty? Bring it down to a simplicity that even a child can understand it. Let them know that your baptism is so important. In, in just a week or so, I get the opportunity to baptize Gracie. And I want, her, I want her to understand, it is a joy and a pleasure for me to baptize you. My sister, you are my sister. You're no longer my, just my niece. You're my sister. But baptizing her, I'm also dedicating myself to teach her. Did you hear that? Because what does the scripture teach in the Great Commission? That we preach, we baptize, and then we teach. And every time she calls, let me tell you something. Oh, many years ago, I'm going to see if I can hold it together this time, Joe. Many years ago, I was already in bed, and my phone rang. I had a phone next to my bed. And I answered it. It is Vanessa. It was late at night. It was about midnight. <laughs> and she said to me these words, Brother Prater, I just got saved. Everything that she taught, everything you preached, it finally made sense to me. And today I received Christ as my Lord and Savior. I knew I told Vanessa. I said I'd take those calls all day long and then some. And then I had the joy of telling young Vanessa that I, in, I am looking forward to teaching you more about the things of God. And part of that is to teach what we are as Baptists. I'm Baptist because God called me to be different. And part of that difference is I care.
carry on the message that the apostles preached. Do you realize, and I want you to turn with me to, now to the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, whew, oh my eyes can take a look at this. In the Gospel of John chapter 1, here you had John the Baptist, and as he was baptizing believers unto the repentance, they had already confessed their sins and they repented. They looked forward to the coming of Christ, and it was pointed out to them in Luke chapter 1 that this was going to be the role of John the Baptist by his own father, that he would be the herald, that he would be the forerunner of Christ. And in verse 29 it said, And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He is preferred coming after me. That's verse 27 who is preferred before me, whose shoe latch I am not worthy to loosen. These things were done in Bethabira, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. And the quarter says in verse 29, and the next day, oh, praise God for the next day. Do you know why I praise God for the next day? Because of what we see here. He seeth Jesus coming, and saith, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. My redemption was declared that day. My redemption was declared that Jesus Christ, the one It says over in the book of Matthew, chapter 3, that Jesus came to John and he said, Now baptize me, John. No! Don't want to be so now for us to fulfill all righteousness. Do you realize, and, and, and it became so clear to me one day as I was studying it, because as I was studying baptism, God gave John the authority to baptize, but not anyone else. John cannot pass on baptism. Only God could pass it on. And do you realize at that very moment that when John baptized Jesus, he baptized in the name of God upon him, and Jesus had the authority. The physical authority. And when the to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 28 the first ones were the apostles and he has said some in the church we read in Ephesians chapter 2 in the very end of the chapter the foundation of the apostles why do we hold to the fact that it was the apostles doctrine because they worded it that's what we read about. But do you realize that it was really God's doctrine that was handed on to them and they preached the gospel as they could make it to others to understand. Isn't that powerful? 
And every time that they would study together, can you imagine? I can almost see Peter going, whether or not I just saw something. I just saw something. Let me share this with you. And as he as he shared it with them, I can almost see James going, I knew that. And then there was a fight broke out. Reality is that sometimes God shows us these things because of our studies. But do you realize that it all began with the baptism of John? Even the calling of the apostles was that of John. And they carried it on and they baptized even further and further and further to the point that authority was given. I'm going to show you something that will just amaze you right now. Let's take our Bibles and let's go to the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, I'm going to go to chapter 15 to begin with. I remember the first time that I studied this. We find that there's so much that goes on in the book of Acts. First of all, we found that the church at Antioch had sent Paul and Barnabas back, saying, well, we need to settle down. We need to make sure we have this circumcision understood. Well, it was afterwards that Paul and Barnabas were together. And their determination was to go back and visit the congregations that they had started. Look at verse 36. And some days after Paul Why didn't he call them churches? Uh, wait, there's more. Where we have preached the word of God. so sharp between them that they departed asunder from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and they sailed into Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Sicilia uh, confirming the churches. I want you to underline verse 41. Now that's the first time that they are called churches. Look what else it says in verse 1 of chapter 16. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, who, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Those were the places that Paul and Barnabas originally went to, Iconium, Derbe, and Lystra. All right, verse 3. Paul and circumcised him because of the Jews, which were in those quarters, for they knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for them to keep, or for, uh, for to keep, that were ordained of the apostles and elders, which were by Jerusalem. And so the There's a lovely word. How many of you have realized that the faith that we hold to is established faith? And we establish churches. Look what else it says. And increased in number daily. Not only did they go to these churches, but they made sure the men were sound, and then they established the churches in the truth. Isn't that amazing? I think I was sitting there like doorknobs. But anyway, I want you to get this. This is precious to me. Because the establishing of the word 
is something we see throughout the scripture. Let's go back to chapter 8. And I want you to see this. In, John, in, in Acts chapter 8, we find the same exact application after the persecution of the Jews in Jerusalem. Look what it says um, in verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto, unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which uh, Philip uh, spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and taken with palsies, and their lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Let's go down to verse 14. Now, when the apostles, the church, let me just tell you something. This is so valuable to us. We don't see the value in, in, in sending forth men to make sure that everything's right. But when we take a look at it from that point of view, they sent Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet had fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were baptized. Why? Because Philip had the authority to do so. They were Baptist in their position. They were Baptist in their beginnings. And John and, and, and Peter and John came down and organized them into a congregation. You don't believe me? Let's go on over and let's take a look at another one. Chapter 11. Chapter 11. And I want us to look all the way down to verse 22. In 11.22, Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was at Jerusalem. Now, is that not... I'll tell you what, folks. The book of Acts is filled. I used to say I hated the book of Acts. But the more I study the book of Acts, the better off I love it. And, and, and then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added to the Lord. Watch this. Then departed Barnabas to Tarshish to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Isn't that amazing? You know what Paul called them? People in the way. You know what Jesus called them? Believers. Or friends. Let me tell you something, folks. It's amazing the more we study the Word of God. Later on, and I'm going to go to chapter 13. Let's go over there and look at this and we'll be ready to close for the first part. Now there were in the, in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manandin which had been brought up with the Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted and the Holy Ghost said separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed they laid their hands on them and sent them away. So they, being forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. 
And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They had also John to their minister. Let me just tell you something that's so beautiful. There's only two ways in which we know the missionary way. First, persecution sent down Philip, but it was authorized by Peter and John. Later on, this church at Antioch showed us the trip of a missionary, evangelism. And he sent forth those two men. And those two men went out and they began to preach. Oh, I could spend hours upon this stuff, but we can't today. Let me just say this. We just cracked it in a nutshell, if you will. But may I say this to you? There is a reason that I want you to understand the foundations of where we are coming from. The reason that these foundations are so important is because if our baptism is true, then it has a foundation that's biblical. There's too many people in this world that goes, well, you know, I want to confess my sins, and so you, you baptize me, I'll baptize you, we'll be ready to go. That's where Roger, where, uh, Roger Williams made a mistake. He was looking for a true church. He was looking for someone who had the baptism. And when he couldn't find it, he goes, well, I'll just have, I'll be immersed, and you immerse me, and we'll have it all together. No, John, Roger Williams was not the first Baptist. In fact, the first Baptist was John Clark in 1637, and he was persecuted because of his holding to true baptismal beliefs. You don't believe me? I got the materials to prove it to you. Baptism is the key. Baptism is the key. But understand this, we as a church have a responsibility to make sure our calling and election is sure. Are you saved? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is yours? And the second part, the second part, do we keep and preserve baptism as a record for others to witness as well? It's important, isn't it? So today... I presented to you the first aspect of Baptist distinctives. The Lord's willing, we'll get into baptism the rest of the way and, and enter right into the Lord's Supper. Now, Father, we pray that you will guide us and keep us. Help us to be faithful unto you in all things. May we rejoice in thy name and guide and bless. Now, in Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, if you and Sister Brenda will come.